from the Technology Association of Iowa, welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Waller, with my co-host, Molly Ross. This podcast will provide an exclusive look into technology-focused legislation during the 2022 session at the Iowa State House. We will speak with state lawmakers and Iowa technology leaders from various industries on specific tech legislation, what it means for Iowans, and how it may impact tech companies across the state. The Iowa Tech Policy Podcast is proudly presented by Shazam, a member-owned debit network processor and core provider that believes community-based financial institutions strengthen and improve local communities. Learn more at shazam.net. Additional support is provided by Denton's Davis Brown Law Firm. Hello and welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. In this episode, we will focus on cybersecurity legislation at the Iowa State House and why it matters to Iowa businesses. With us today is Aaron Warner. He is the CEO of ProCircular and the 2022 Public Policy Committee Chair for the Technology Association of Iowa. Aaron Warner, welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Thanks, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. My first question, you know, you represent TAI in our legislative efforts as the cybersecurity expert in the room at the state capitol, but you also have a day job. Can you talk about ProCircular and what that is and what do you do there? It actually lines up really well with the mission of TAI. So ProCircular is a firm that, that we founded about five and a half years ago. It's a cybersecurity and compliance firm. So at the end of the day, we help organizations to understand and manage their cyber risk. That means something different for every organization. The challenges that you have in state government are going to be different than the challenges that you have in manufacturing or in transportation. But it, it allows us to help organizations to deal with the realities of their sort of unique challenges. We get brought in on proactive work. That's about 80% of the time where We'll try and help organizations to avoid a really bad day. About 20% of the work that we do, and it's particularly true in the state of Iowa, we get that phone call on Friday at 5.30 saying, hey, none of us can use our computers. This has been a problem all day. We think we have a hacker in our network. Could you come get rid of them? So we do work on both the proactive and reactive side. But I think the important part of that is that in working with the board of directors and particularly in this role, we're very much on the front lines for clients and, and companies, frankly, in the state of Iowa that are dealing with very real cyber attacks. This isn't some theoretical exercise for us. Well, perfect timing to have a cybersecurity expert leading the charge for the Technology Association of Iowa public policy efforts. About six to eight months ago, we were hearing murmurs from the state capitol that state legislators had a desire to craft cybersecurity legislation this session and protect Iowa businesses. So let me ask you, why do you get the sense that that was a priority this session for the state lawmakers? I mean, to their credit, they're responding to challenges that their constituents face every day, whether it's a budgeting challenge or whether it's that, that situation where a really good manufacturer in their district has been shut down for a week or two weeks. That's gotten their attention. Uh, it, it's almost impossible to ignore at this point. So a lot of the legislators are looking to organizations like TAI and, and companies like ProCircular to help them to translate some of these complicated issues into something that they can put legislation in place to help 
help protect and also to help support some of the victims of these attacks. It can Those really bad days tend to be the worst professional days for, for a lot of the people who, who are affected. So, you know, when somebody's company has been shut down for a week, it's not unreasonable to expect that they would call their representative or their senator and say, hey, look, you guys have got to do something about this. We need your help. I think a lot of this is those legislators responding to the needs of, of their constituents. For those of us that aren't in the weeds of cybersecurity every day, it can be a pretty complex topic, as I imagine it can be for many of our state legislators as well. I'm curious, when you're up at the state house, what kinds of questions are they asking you? You know, it, it kind of runs the gambit, but I think in general, a lot of the time that I spend in, in Des Moines is, is similar to what, what I do during my day job. A lot of it is translation. What is this complex subject of cybersecurity? Let's take ransomware, for example. How does that actually work? What does it actually do in practice? And why, why are the companies that I support affected by it? So a lot of the time is spent trying to, to translate sort of technical jargon or a wide variety of compliance and regulatory requirements into something that they can address from a, from a legislative perspective. It's, it's been a really rewarding process. And again, to their credit, I have been really pleasantly surprised with how open they have, have been. They are, they're at this point, I think they're very comfortable asking us and in the public policy committee and, and as well, TAI, sort of the bigger questions about like, well, why does, I don't understand blockchain. Can you, can you help me to work through what does blockchain mean? What's, what's the effect? Why do we need legislation? Our, our role there in oftentimes is that of, that of translator. And it, it's really rewarding. It's nice to see that they're comfortable asking. And because of the makeup of the board of directors for the Technology Association of Iowa and the membership, we have a really deep well of knowledge that they can draw from to help craft really smart legislation. Well, you mentioned being a translator. So let's have you translate a couple bills for us around cybersecurity. Let's get smarter. Help us get smarter here, Aaron. The first bill I want to talk about is Senate File 2049, or otherwise known as the Affirmative Defense Bill. This is a bill that TAI has actually been crafting language, been working months on. What is it, Aaron, and why does it matter? So the affirmative defense bill is, is one that I have worked very closely with Representative Losey and on the House side and uh, Senator Nunn on the Senate side for, for quite a while. Essentially, what it does is provide some legal protections to organizations that have been affected by, by attacks, by capital B breach. So they've had that really bad day. What protections can they put in place from a legal perspective if that happens? And they have demonstrated that they've taken uh, appropriate steps. So in English, you'll have a, a CEO or a general counsel say, we've been attacked. We're, we're on the receiving end of this, of this attack, but we've spent millions of dollars on a cybersecurity program. How can we use that in, in support of our protection of our organization to make sure that that investment is recognized for what it is? So. At the end of the day, I think the, the important part about the affirmative defense is that it really protects the victims of these of these cyber crimes. It gives them some legal protections in in court, and it references a variety of different standards, some of which are, are industry-specific. So Graham-Leach on the banking side of things, HIPAA or high trust on the healthcare side of things, 
And it, it's all based in the NIST standard, which is uh, the National Institute of Standards and Testing. That's sort of the, the holy grail when it comes to determining whether or not an organization has taken appropriate steps to protect themselves and to protect their clients. I'm a big believer in the affirmative defense bill, and we've gotten great support from, from the legislature. Again, I'll, I'll mention uh, Senator Nunn specifically. He's an expert in cybersecurity. In fact, his day job or one of his day jobs is when he's not, when he's not at the Capitol, he's a cybersecurity professional as well. He, he works on the military or on the defense side of things. So he and I speak both languages, and it's allowed us to get a lot of great work done at the legislature in, in a very short period of time. Denton's Davis-Brown is a law firm committed to helping clients grow, protect, operate, and finance their organizations. With offices in more than 200 locations across 80 countries, Denton supports clients locally, nationally, and globally. More at dentons.com backslash DDB. Another bill driving a lot of conversation is House Study Bill 674, or the Consumer Data Privacy Protection. Now, this is an evolving bill, but we knew we needed to get the conversation started. Aaron, what is this bill and why are our legislators looking to TAI and Iowa technology professionals for leadership on this bill? You're spot on, Molly. It's, this is a little more complex. It has to do with the ownership of the data that resides within organizations network, whether that's a government organization or whether that's uh, in private industry. It's a pretty broad bill. Sometimes organizations own the data that they store. So you take an insurance company that has medical information on the people that they serve. That's information that they're required both by law and in, in terms of industry regulation, they're required to protect. In some cases, you have a company like Involta that hosts data for other companies. Uh, they may have no idea what's inside of, of those data stores. You know, it's, it's really the thousands of companies that they serve and their clients that host their data inside of uh, a network like Involta's. So to what degree are any of those companies responsible for protecting those data? It's an arduous process. It's a thing that's going to take a long time to unwind. But again, I, I think the good news here is that you've got folks like Representative Losi who are asking the right questions. They've got a lot of the right people in the room. I was in a subcommittee meeting Monday of this week where there were 20 plus organizations from all over the state, some of which are, are national or global, involved in crafting that legislation. So I think it's a good example of tackling some of the right questions with really with input from really large organizations like Amazon and Google and input from states. I know that some of the cities, some of the larger cities from around the, the, the state have been there down to, you know, some of the smaller companies with 10 or 15 people who are asking themselves, what am I responsible for in, in terms of these data? And what happens if this data gets released to the public? You know, am I, am I on the hook for that? So it is certainly not the simplest problem in cybersecurity or compliance, but it, it's definitely an important one. And it's really good to see the legislature tackling this, this particular challenge right now. It's, it's very timely. So why is it important that Iowa technology professionals are in the room like you? Why are they looking to TAI and cybersecurity professionals to craft this legislation? Well, you know, legislation is, is crafted by lawyers. And a lot of those folks don't have a technical background. 
there's also, you know, other than painting this with a technical brush, there's, there's a GRC component to it. So there's a regulatory component where people who are in compliance roles or people who are in privacy roles have to be a part of that conversation because they need input as well. Just a simple example of that. So let's take a record. We have an employee's personnel record. That may include medical data, that may include personally identifiable information, that may include things like their social security number. All of that is data that affects different parts of an organization. And again, it, it affects a specific individual's life pretty significantly. It's a, it's a broad picture of who you are. So I think that the data privacy bill attempts to and it, it, again, still in still an evolutionary thing, but I think it attempts to address some of those questions of who owns those data, who's responsible for protecting those data, what legal requirements are there for organizations, and and I think this is important as well. There are several overlapping other pieces of legislation that play into this equation. So, to what degree are those needs met by other legislation that already exists? I mean, you don't want to pile on if you can avoid it. So uh, take a bank, for example. A bank is controlled by FFIC and Graham Leach widely plays heavily into into their world. There are carve-outs for that in the the current iteration of the data privacy bill so that they can say, we're already meeting a lot of these requirements. We meet this specific standard that's already been offline, that's already at the federal level been, been designed. So... We probably don't have to do that twice as a result of HS674. We could speak all day on technology legislation. We just selected two cyber bills. Briefly before you go, we're talking about creation of laws and legislation. Is there merit to taking some legislation off of the books, some dated technology legislation? And if so, is there one or two bills that are out there or themes that you can see of deleting some laws? You know, I'm, I'm new in this role as the chair of the Public Policy Committee. So I've had to learn a lot very quickly. I've had some wonderful support, Brian, from you, from from Molly, from our, our friends over at Denton's. Tim and Sydney have been wonderful Sherpas at the at the Capitol. One of the things that I think is, is part of this, I'd like to, if, if at all possible, when we add legislation, to maybe take some legislation back out that's not necessary. So Amongst technology professionals and lawyers alike, I think it's it's safe to say that technical legislation, that is legislation that involves specific technologies, tends to get outdated quickly because the pace of technology exceeds the, the legislative process itself. So there are a variety of different technologies from our past. You know, when you think about data processing and mainframes and so forth, that still exist in 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 the law, in the Iowa Code. So as much as our focus on the on the front end of this process so far has been on additional legislation to help support the realities of today, I think it's smart to go back and look through to see where we can pull pieces out of the code that are no longer relevant. So that'll be an initiative that we pick up on the on the other side of this legislative process. And I'm I'm excited for the challenge. Well Aaron, we're excited to have you at the helm. Thank you so much for all of the work you have already put in this session and for all of the work that we know lies ahead. And thank you for joining us on the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Thanks, Mike. That wraps up this episode of the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. 
Thank you to Shazam and Denton's Davis Brown Law Firm for supporting this initiative. At TAI, we believe every Iowa company is a technology company. Join us at technologyiowa.org to build and unite Iowa's technology community.